Okay, I want to welcome everyone to session number nine, and I'm glad you're sticking with us through these sessions, and uh, next week will be our final session, and it'll probably be a good time for me to tell you what next, February 2nd will be the Roots kickoff for the spring semester, February the 2nd, and uh, I'm going, I, I'm, I'll just give you the heads up, I'm going to be doing uh, 13 sessions, it's going to have 13 Wednesday nights in this next semester. I'm going to do 13 uh, sessions called From the Beginning to the End. And what it is, I'm going to take, <laughs> I'm going to cover Genesis to Revelation in 13 sessions. So, so you're going to, and I'm going to tell you what the goal is. The goal is to weave in and connect all the dots to show you that it is actually just one story. It's not 66 different books and 66 different stories. It's one story. And the goal is to be able to show you how all of them weave together to create one story. And it all reveals one man named Jesus. So now you know what we're going to do. If we're still here, if we're not here, then we won't do it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these uh, sessions that we've had to look at the tribulation. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us a prayer in advance that we could pray that we'd be strong enough to escape the coming horrors of the tribulation. You, you gave us that. You, your grace gave us a window of opportunity to come to you so that we wouldn't have to experience the wrath of God. So tonight we thank you for that. Open our minds to understand the scriptures. And a lot is in here tonight. So Lord, just help us to understand it because to understand it is to understand you. And we want to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. That's how this starts. Every week I've used the same scripture. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. If you actually, any part of you believe that, it would transform your life. And when I say, when Jesus says heaven and earth are going to disappear, he means everything that is currently in this current realm that we live is either going to totally be transformed or eliminated altogether and replaced. And, and you're going to see that at the end of the night session. So we begin with, with him telling you in advance what's going to happen. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. So what are you going to do? But my words will never disappear. So watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. What day? Heaven and earth are going to disappear. What day? There's a series of events that will lead up to the new heaven and the new earth, when the first heaven and the first earth will disappear. There's a day that will be a point of no return. Don't let that day catch you unaware like, unaware like a trap. For it's a worldwide event. For that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you be, might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So let me, let me pause in that, um, in that context and address something. You know, most of you are aware we had an election yesterday. This church stood very strongly on amendment number two. That amendment failed miserably. Uh, that wasn't even close. That number is not even close. Um, so a lot of people have already emailed me today telling me, well, what do you think that means? And, um, and then I don't know, how many of you saw the Lexington Herald article on Wednesday? Oh my goodness. 
Nineveh Christian Church was the front page on the Lexton Herald online edition on Wednesday. And what do you think the front page was about? It was on election day. And it was about Nineveh's, about a sermon that I preached here on October the 9th. And um, I, they didn't interview me. They just took it and ran with it. So wh why do I bring that up now? If the church needs to realize that if Kentucky, in the center of the Bible Belt, cannot pass a, an amendment that says you do not have the right to murder your child, if we can't pass that, then this nation has crossed a threshold. It has crossed over a line. And what was that October 9th sermon that came out in that paper unsolicited by me? What was the message? The nation has crossed the line. Coincidence that the paper printed the very thing that happened on the same day? Highly unlikely. Church, you are the minority. You need to go on and come to grips with the fact that we have become the minority in this nation. Not everybody believes what we believe. In fact, it's shrinking. And even put under pressure, I mean, how much pressure was it to go and mark a ballot? If, w could you stand the pressure of oppression or persecution? So tonight has special relevance for me. Because tonight we talk about a series of events that are coming to those who refuse to stand upon the truth. And it's serious stuff. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. Well, it's going to catch the majority of people unaware like a trap. Just don't let it be you. So last week we finished with the two beasts from the sea and the earth. One's the Antichrist, the other's the false prophet. I covered the 144,000 sealed Jewish evangelists back in session number four when the sixth seal was opened. But now, tonight, they're going to reappear one more time in Revelation 14. And by the way, they're all still alive. So it's interesting that these 144,000 in the midst of the world calamity, none of them have died. They have supernatural protection. So God is protecting them in this ministry. Notice they are, uh, as we bring up Revelation 14, notice they're all standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion, and, and that Mount Zion is heavenly Mount Zion, because in this scene, the Lamb has not come to the earth to reign. So they're standing with Jesus, but they're standing still in heaven. <coughs> and, and it's the next scene, the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation, when we open chapter 14, is nearing the end. And victory is within sight. And why is victory within sight when we open 14? Because the king has already announced that he's coming. And he will be the victory that occurs. Here we go, verse 1, chapter 14. And then I saw the lamb, that's Jesus, standing on Mount Zion. And with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists 
playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song. Now, this is kind of out of context. This almost sounds refreshing. Now, now there's a wonderful sound of music coming from the throne of God, right? One, they're singing a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. This is music. This is this new song music coming. No one could learn this new song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins. The NLT, that's their translation. If you go back and look at the Greek real translation, it says they are virgins. These 144,000, they are men, virgins that have not defiled themselves with women. And they are singing a new song in front of the throne of the Lamb. They are, and what did they do? They are following the lamb wherever he goes. I love this picture. Wherever he goes, they go, and they're singing a song. Wherever he goes, they go, and they're singing a song. Wherever he goes, they go, they're singing a song. They've been redeemed from the earth, 144,000. They have survived the tribulation. They have survived preaching to people that hate their guts, but they're still alive. They have been purchased from among the people of the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. By the way, the Jew or Gentile, they're Jews. All 144,000 were from the 12 tribes of Israel. They have told no lies and they are without blame. They are holy men. They are holy men. That it was, they have not had relations with women. They are holy men. They follow Christ. They are redeemed, purchased men, holy men of God. 144,000 of them. That's a bunch. This quote is from David Jeremiah's book, The Book of Signs. That's, I wanted to stick that in there. It says, these evangelists, we're talking about the 144,000. These evangelists will have survived the worst seven years in the history of the world. You might expect them to be hauled off to the hospital and treated for PTSD. As many brave soldiers are treated after suffering the horrors of war. But no, these 144,000 survivors, they stand up and sing a song. They start singing. They have not been defiled by the world, by the lust of the world. They have not been defiled. Understand that by the time we get to this scene, it's almost over. The tribulation is almost over. Only the horrible bowl judgments, that's what they're called, they remain. The end is in sight. It will follow the bowl judgments of God. Now, multiple messenger angels are about to arrive in these scenes. It's kind of hard to keep up with them because you'll see, and another angel came, and another angel came, all with different purposes. But another, many multiple angels begin to arrive, and I want to, we're going to start in on their announcements. And I saw another angel flying through the sky carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to the world. I want you to look. Here we go. This is it. 
There's an angel in this context flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Now, we're in the tribulation, right? And an angel, evangelist angel, is going to go and preach the gospel around the world. An angelic evangelist. And what's his message? Listen, because this is important. What's his sermon? Fear of God. What's, how's the beginning of his sermon? Fear God. Pretty good application in the middle of the tribulation. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him. Fear God. The time is here. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Now, there's the first angel. He's an evangelist with a message. Be afraid. Time is now. Worship the one who is the creator. He alone created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything here. And here comes another angel. And then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Compare that scene to the 144,000 who have never defiled themselves. You see the difference between what's happening? Babylon's falling because they made the world drunk with passion. They made the drunk, passion, uh, drunk with lust of the flesh and lust of the, of the world, lust. And, and, and here you've got the 144,000 that escaped all of that. Another angel flying through the sky carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world. Every nation, tribe, language, people. That's the whole world. Here's the question. Is this scene, that angel flying around the world with the gospel, is this the fulfillment of Jesus' end of days prophecy from Matthew 24, 14? Listen carefully. Jesus himself prophesied, and he said, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then what happens? The end will come. Now, much of my life, I was told by a lot of people with good intentions that Jesus could not come back because not everybody in the world had heard the gospel because, because of this verse. But the reality is, do you think that has to happen before the rapture? No, I don't think so at all. In fact, let me tell you, what's the context of this angel going around the world preaching the gospel? To every tribe and nation and people. What's the context? They're in the tribulation. They're in the tribulation. So if you're one of those who's always said, well, Jesus couldn't possibly be coming back. Because why? Because the, there's still people groups that have not heard the gospel. Well, there's an angel with a specific assignment called for that already in the scripture. Interesting. And the ultimate. So what's the second angel? Babylon is fallen. 
The ultimate fall of Babylon will not occur until chapters 17 and 18. That's still the ultimate fall. But the announcement is in this chapter. And what is this Babylon? You need to understand when you see Babylon in Revelation, there's something specific about Babylon goes back to the Tower of Babel and Nimrod and all of these stories. And I don't have time to go into detail, so I'm going to give you the short version. They are the origin of all idolatry and sexual immorality all come out of Babylon. It all comes out of Babylon. It's where it originates. And obviously there's false gods, idolatry, uh, demonic powers inside of that story. So when he says Babylon is fallen because they, she, she made the world drunk with her sexual immoralities, that's where it all came from. Even today, even, where do you think sexual immorality finds its origin in the culture of mankind? Babylon. This next angel comes to announce the verdict. The verdict of all who worship the beast and the statue. So let, let, me, let me go back and say something. There's been two angels. The first angel said, fear God and worship him, for the time has come. The second angel says, Babylon is fallen. She was the one who, who uh, the lust of the flesh and sexual immorality came from. Babylon is fallen. So here comes a third angel, and it's going to do something very specific. The third angel is going to announce the verdict, um, the judgment of everyone who was in the tribulation, who, who took the mark of the beast, bowed to the Antichrist or the Antichrist statue. What's going to happen to you? Here it is. So we're in the third angel, right? The first one preaches the gospel to the world. The second one, Babylon is fallen. The third one, this is what God is going to do if you took the mark of the beast. Verse 9. Then the third angel followed them shouting, anyone who worships the beast or his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or on their hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. Listen carefully. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his, and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. So everybody listen carefully. Listen carefully. Is he talking about who, who's getting this judgment? People. People. So you hear this idea that this eternal fire is only for demons or Satan or, or uh, 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 uh. these people that took the mark and bowed to the statue that worship this false God, Antichrist, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. He's not talking about demonic powers. He's talking about people. These are people who are going to hell and they're going to suffer in torment. How long? Forever and ever. And they'll have no relief day or night for they have worshipped. Why? Why? Because they've worshipped the beast. 
they worshiped the, the other king. You had a choice between kings, you chose the wrong king. They worshiped the beast and his statue, and they accepted the mark on his hand. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. I want everybody to look at that verse specifically, number 12. Because in light of what just happened yesterday in America and the, the, the very obvious presentation that we have crossed over a line, we, we've crossed some kind of a line here, that even in Kentucky, even in Kentucky, you can't convince people in Kentucky that they don't have the right to kill their children? Verse 12. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands, maintaining their faith in Jesus. Church, if you don't hear anything else say tonight, you need to understand something. There is a spiritual war, and there is going to be increased pressure upon the church to go along. You think everything, the vote's over and they'll just leave you alone? No, they're not going to leave you alone. This is just the beginning. You're going to, there, there's pressure. Well, why are they bowing to the beast? Why would you do that? Because the world's pressure is upon them. They feel the pressure. You can't buy or sell. You can't, you can't participate in commerce. But what about the saints? So we've got a pretty bold statement here. This third angel says, if you've taken the mark, you're going to hell. Anybody want to debate this? If you take the mark, you're going to hell. You're going to suffer forever. But I, I got to tell you, I told you last week the same thing. You think, well, what a bunch of fools. I'm going to tell you what, you bow to the wrong king today, you'll also go to hell. Do you think this only applies in a seven-year period after the rapture of the church? That's, this applies right now today. You bow to the wrong king, you bow to the God of this world today, today, right now. You're going to get the same exact thing they are. There's not going to be any difference. And that's what much of the church still doesn't get. So what about the saints? There's a lot of people rebelling against the Antichrist inside of this. Many of them are Jewish. Some of them are Gentiles. So what about the saints who died during the tribulation and the Antichrist or his authorities say, either you, you, either you take the mark of the beast or we're going to cut your head off. And they've read Revelation 14, 9 and say, I ain't taking that mark. And he cuts their head off. They're going to die. Now, understand, we had this conversation in the staff here just recently. It would be one thing if, if you're in that situation and, and you say, I'm not going to take the mark. And they say, well, then we're going to kill you. And then they bring your, your, your son or your daughter over there. And said, either you take the mark or we're going to cut their head off. The only people that will survive that moment will be those who prepared in advance to survive that moment. Anybody listening to me? In the moment, no one will have that kind of strength. In the moment, nobody has that kind of strength. Why did Jesus say, pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors? Because he knows in the moment, nobody's that strong. So you prepare yourself. You acknowledge that we're in a spiritual battle. And, and it's not about some 
bowing down, getting the mark into the Antichrist then, many people might as well carry the mark of the Antichrist right now. How, how the world just voted. What, did we support murder? You've got the right to murder? You mock God? So there's going to be people beheaded. And they have not bowed down. And they do not have a mark on their forehead. And when they do find their head and put it back on their body, neither one of them have a mark on them. And what's going to happen to them? Revelation 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones. And, and I, you won't get it until I tell you this. I want you to put in your mind that immediately following the tribulation, Jesus is going to come. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be the king. He's going to establish a kingdom. Okay, so we're, we're at this part of the tribulation. It's almost over, right? You've only got the bold judgment, and then Jesus comes, and, and, and he starts an earthly kingdom. So what about those guys that are dying in the tribulation, even toward the end of the tribulation? Here it comes. I saw thrones. And people are sitting on these thrones. And they've been given authority to judge. And when, when we in America see the word judge, we think of somebody in a black robe. And that's not what it means. They've been given authority to rule, like governors or that kind of judge. And I saw the souls. You with me? I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus during the tribulation. And for proclaiming the word of God. This, during the tribulation, they had not worshipped the beast during the tribulation or his statue, and they did not accept the mark on their forehead or on their hands. They all came to life again. Somebody say hallelujah. They all came to life again. Somehow or another, they got their head back. And they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now here comes the chronological thing that you need to somehow try to get in your mind. Let's just call this for the sake I can't find a better word. This is a second rapture. The first rapture began at the beginning of the tribulation. But during the tribulation, these people are dying. They're getting buried and their souls are going under the altar. But their bodies here. That's not the church. The church aren't experienced the tribulation. It's with Christ. Preparing for the wedding supper of the Lamb. So there's a second rapture that's going to, they all came to life again. Now, who's in this scene? Who's in this scene? It's not the church. The church closed. The church is over. These are tribulation saints and the Jewish people that the remnant that has been called out of the earth. And why are they going to rise? Why are they going to get this resurrection? Because they're going to reign with Jesus on the earth immediately following the tribulation. They came to life. Listen, they came to life again. Why? And they reigned with Christ for 1,000 years. See the pieces? By the way, um, in case you're saying, well, where's the church? Well, when Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation, you come with him. And you'll join with the resurrected Tribulation saints will go together. And by the way, can I just say this? It'll muddy the water. That's when the Old Testament saints also get resurrected. That's when Daniel and Jeremiah and Moses show up. Why? Why then? Because when they show up, 
Jesus will be walking into Jerusalem. And the Jews, and, and, and that's when there will be a new world order. Uh, I could easily get off on that one for a while. <laughs> Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice. This is the next verse. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. And by the way, can I say no mark on them? No mark meaning on their forehead or on their hand. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. These are tribulation people who are dying because they won't go along. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Wherever they are in the tribulation, there's still a bunch more going to die, but they're blessed. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work when they die, for their good deeds will follow them. What? Because immediately following that rest, they have a rapture and they reign in the millennial kingdom. From now on. Means what? More death is to come before the tribulation ends. But don't give in. Don't take the mark. Don't take the mark. If you study Islam, and several years ago I did a real in-depth study of Islam. You know what Islam teaches? They, Islam teaches in the Quran that there is a seven-year tribulation. And Jesus will come. His name is Issa. And you know what, how you survive the tribulation in Islamic teaching? You take the mark. Look at that. You take the mark. Christianity, you take the mark, you're done. Islam, you take the mark, you survive. Interesting, isn't it? So let's go to the harvest of the earth. The Lord, this is the next scene, by the way. The Lord Jesus is seated on a white cloud, and it's time for the harvest, which is judgment. A terrible harvest of the winepress of God's wrath and His judgment. And what's the context? The first angel came preaching the word to the world, fear God, worship Him who created everything. The second angel comes and says, Babylon is fallen. The third angel comes and says, anyone with the mark will face the wrath of God and go to hell. And here comes the next scene. The Son of Man is going to be revealed. The title, before I'm going to read it to you, I need you to go back to see its origin. The Son of Man title of Jesus is the next scene, and it appears first in the book of Daniel, more than 500 years before the birth of Christ. And I, how they fit is amazing. So I want to show you Daniel, and then I want to go to Revelation 14, the next verse, and show you how, these, how far apart are these and how do they match so well? Because God is putting all these pieces together. So Daniel 7, 13. Daniel says, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds. This is the first time there's a direct reference to the Son of Man being the Messiah. You with me? Daniel sees the future. I saw someone like the Son of Man coming in the clouds, with, with the clouds of heaven. And he, Jesus approached the ancient one, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. And he, the lamb coming in the cloud, the son of 
Son of Man coming in the clouds. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. So that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. When you think that'll happen, every nation will obey him. The millennial reign of Christ. You with me? Which happens at the end of the tribulation, right? Is every nation obeying him now? No. So when would it be that he becomes the king and every person on the earth obeys him? At the end of the tribulation, when Satan is thrown into, the, into hell and the Antichrist and false prophet, uh, Satan's thrown into prison and the Antichrist and false prophet go to hell. Every race, every nation, every language would obey him. His rule is eternal. So once he takes his place on the David's throne in Jerusalem, from that point forward, there are no gaps. It is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. When does it begin? At the end of the tribulation. What's the context of Revelation 14? It's almost over, right? Now, let's go. Uh, now the Son of Man comes to fulfill Daniel's 500-year-old prophecy. And then I saw a white cloud and seated on the cloud. That's how Daniel described it, isn't it? And seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a sharp sickle in his hand. So what, what, what is this? He is the king and he is the judge. A crown on his head, that's a king. The sharp sickle, he is judgment. He's going to harvest. Verse 15, then another angel. Okay, now we've got another angel. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Jesus, swing the sickle, for the time of the harvest has come. The crop on the earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud, Jesus, swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. What's he got? He's got a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. He's coming to harvest the earth. The whole earth was harvested. After that, here comes another angel. Another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the cluster of grapes from the vines of the earth. For they are ripe for what? What's the word? Judgment day. They're ripe. Judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes. What are the grapes? You think we're talking about fruit? It's people. They loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city, and the blood flowed from the wine press. Blood. You don't get that from grapes. Uh, 
and the blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. You want a scene that'll keep you up at night? That's one of them. The amount of death in that moment, no human can comprehend. I can't imagine the horror of that moment. It began with the first angel doing what? Yo, this is curious to me. That entire scene of the angel, another angel, another angel, another. What, what, how did it begin? Every one of them. What did it begin? You got to get it. The angel going around the world with this. That entire thing started with an angel going around the world with this. What? Because this would save you from that. Interesting, isn't it? Chapter 15 opens with the final bowl judgments of God. There are seven of them upon the earth. And when they finish, it's over. So here we go. Start uh, Revelation chapter 15. And then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues. This is over after this. Which would bring God's wrath to completion. I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire. And on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast. Now, now you got you to get this. There's this glass sea looking thing. And standing on top of it are people who were victorious over the beast. They did not bow to the beast, the beast statue. They did not get the mark of the beast. They didn't get that on the forehead, on their hand. They, they, they were victorious. Victorious. Say the word, victorious. You, you better figure out how to get victorious. Okay? They were victorious over the beast, his statue, the number representing his name. We're talking about tribulation. This is the people. These are the people who survive the tribulation. They were all holding harps that God had given them. And they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. This is the lyrics of the song. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. So these people, these tribulation saints, they're singing this song. They have won the victory. Chapter 15 begins with the victory of those who have not bowed down to the beast, the statue, or gotten the mark, even though the final seven bold judgments are about to be released upon the earth. Victory. In other words, when I say that, more death's coming. Victory to those who came to faith in Christ during the tribulation. Who are they? They are the remnant of Israel, which I would say are Jewish people, and they are tribulation saints, which could also include Gentiles who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation. These survivors, that's what they are. They're survivors. 
they are worshiping the God who has saved them by his divine mercy and grace. And they're worshiping him in that scene. So let's go to verse 5. And then I looked and saw that the temple in, I saw the temple in heaven. God's tabernacle was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. These are the seven bold judgments. They were clothed in spotless white linen and with gold sashes around their chest. And then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God. A gold bowl filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power and no one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. No one could enter. This is so big and God's wrath is so powerful that no one is able to enter the temple until these bowls are emptied. This is it. The last act of God's wrath upon the earth. The seven bowl judgments. Here's the first bowl. Revelation 16, 1. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So here comes the first one. The first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth. A horrible, malignant, and horrible, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his statue. This is a very specific judgment. So if you've got the mark and you worship the statue or the beast, sores, blisters, um, malignant blisters, just this horrible physical pain. And they, you got to understand something. You, you read this and some, somebody would say, God is a God of wrath. Um, I'm going to say it one more time. Everything I read to you tonight began with an angel going around the world preaching the word of God. Why? Why? He opened a door. And what did the angel preach? Fear God. Worship the one who created the heavens and the earth. Sores. Receiving the mark of the beast might have seemed like a good idea at the time. Like much sin does today. Let's be honest. Sin always looks like a good idea at the time. But the ending is beyond horror in the scene. Second angel, second bowl. Verse 3. And then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. And it became like the blood of a corpse. And everything in the sea. Now we're talking about salt water now. Everything in the ocean died. Now we're late into the tribulation. And if you've been here, you've seen that a lot of the sea has already been polluted. But whatever's left is now gone. The rest of the sea is like the blood of a corpse. 
and now <clears throat> all sea life has been destroyed in the second bowl judgment. Here comes the third bowl. And then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs. Now we're in fresh water. And they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, You, God, are just. O holy one who is and who always was, because you have sent these judgments. Is anyone in heaven questioning that, God, you've gone too far with this one? No, that's not. This is the opposite of that. You are just. Why? Since you, they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. Who's they? They were cutting off the heads of tribulation saints before this happened. Right? Since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord, the, God the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. No one in heaven is disagreeing that this isn't fair. It is just. Jesus had revealed himself as the living water, the water of life, and all who have rejected him will now be left thirsty and dying inside the kingdom of the Antichrist. Thirsty and dying. Why? Because the water's all drying up. Right? He's the living water. Here comes the fourth bowl. And then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by the blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give Him glory. The Lord, He offers shelter under the shadow of His wings. But those who refused to repent suffered outside that shelter. I'm still amazed, and I'm sure you are too, that in the middle of all of these plagues and all this horror, they still refuse what? To repent of their sins and turn to God. You want a mystery? There's one. Can I explain today? And this is the tribulation. Um, the tribulation, you would think, surely they would eventually get it and cry out to God for mercy. And some do. Some do. I don't want to say it doesn't happen. That's the tribulation saints, their souls under the altar. How long, O oh Lord, before you bring justice? But the, these, these people, not in, in this scene, they're not. What about today? What about the world we live in right now? We'll repent. Just, just repent. Just acknowledge, worship, fear God, worship God, acknowledge Him as the Creator, and repent of your sins. Well, why wouldn't you? If this is what's coming, why wouldn't you? I don't know. Preachers have been preaching it for a long time. I suppose you could just say they don't believe it. Uh, I've said for years here, I believe that if you believed you were lost and Jesus had the power to save you, I believe you'd believe in Jesus. So obviously it is, don't believe it. Okay, here comes the fifth bowl. And then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. And his kingdom was plunged into darkness. 
And his subjects ground their teeth in anguish. And they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They grind their teeth and curse God and refuse to bow. You know, I've talked about, you know, there is a point of no return, obviously. There's a point that when you go, you cross a line and, and you can't get back from that. I don't know where that's at. But obviously there's a point of no return. Um, there's a point of no return for individuals. I want to tell you, I think there's a point of no return for the nation. When a nation crosses over this line. And when that happens, you say, why, won't, why don't they repent and come back? They can't. They can't. Can't do it. This bold judgment is focused specifically on the beast, the Antichrist, and his dreadful kingdom. Those who once worshipped the beast, who said over and over, who is like the beast? Who is like the beast? What will they say now while they grind their teeth in anguish and curse God? Here comes the sixth bowl. And then the sixth bowl poured out, sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River. And it dried up so that the kings of the earth could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. I know there's a lot of uh, worldwide talk now about the Euphrates River and it's drying up even now. If you're one of those people that studies that stuff, it's interesting that something's happened over there that's very curious even now. I wonder if the Lord's preparing, even though this looks like an event that happens at the end of the seven-year tribulation before Armageddon. Um, maybe he's warming it up. I don't know. So... So that the, why, why is it going to dry up so that the armies of the east can march without hindrance into the Holy Land? Why? Here we go. And I saw, th here's the why. And I saw three evil spirits. It looked like frogs leap from the mouths of what? The dragon, Satan, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits. These frogs like things that are coming out of them. They are demonic spirits who work miracles. And they go to all the rulers of the world, all the kingdoms of men during the tribulation, to gather them for battle against the Lord who's coming on the great, day of, on the great judgment day of God Almighty. So the Antichrist and the false prophet and the dragon are releasing demonic powers on the earth. The demonic powers goes to the, go to the kingdoms of men, whoever's king or president or prime minister in that day, and put the thought in their mind, we need to all go to the Holy Land and fight against the coming king. And in the middle of that, there's, you don't have a color copy, there's red letters. When Jesus, the Bible quotes Jesus saying, look, I will come unexpectedly like a thief, as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. It's almost out of context, but I can assure you it's not. And the demonic spirits that came out of the mouths of these unholy trinity gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. 
This sixth bowl judgment reveals the last great battle that will occur before the Lord returns to reign as king. Actually, the battle occurs as the Lord returns to reign as king. The battle of Armageddon. This very unique and urgent warning of Jesus is inserted inside this sixth bowl judgment scene. I want to read it again. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Can anybody put Luke 21 in here? What we've been starting every session. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. Pray that you be strong enough. What's he say here? Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. Blessed are all you who are watching for me. Church, we are called to watch for him. The Antichrist won't be able to sneak up on you. The spirit of Antichrist won't speak up on, sneak up on you while you're watching for Jesus. If you're constantly looking for him, then, then, then you're open to him. You're open to his power in you. And his light in you is your only protection against the darkness of the Antichrist spirit. Blessed are those who are watching for me who keep their clothing ready so they'll not have to walk around naked and ashamed. God offers mercy to those who will watch, listen, and repent while there's still time. So church, I want to say that even right now today. Those who watch, those who listen, and those who repent. He offers mercy. The angel carrying the word around the world, that's what they would be telling you. To those who watch, who listen, and repent, he offers you mercy. But if you reject his mercy, you get his wrath. Seventh angel, seventh bowl. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. Into the air. Interesting, isn't it? And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. I can tell you how happy I am to read those words. It's finished. It's finished. It's almost like when I read that, here's what I saw in my mind. This bowl and the angel, and he just slings it up in the air like you're emptying out the last remnants of the bucket. Just, it's over. It's finished. Those words are a mighty shout that come from the throne in the temple. Is this Jesus speaking in this scene? There's a, and here's why. When it says from the throne, it is finished. I can't help but associate that same event to another scene. In John 19, it's the cross of Jesus where he also says the same words. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It is finished. On the cross, everything needed for you and I to escape the coming tribulation was finished. Church, do you understand? Everything necessary for you and I to escape the horrors that we have spent these nine weeks talking about, everything that you need is finished. You just have to believe it. It's called faith. Now to the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of the King. He must finish the wrath. 
He's king. He's got a crown and he's got a sickle, right? So he's got a finish. Um, let's, let's jump over to 1 Corinthians 15, 25. For Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. Do you understand that at that point, when the last enemy, death, is destroyed, there will be no more death? He's ending death. He's putting an end to death. When, he, when the last enemy is destroyed, you're going to live in a place where no one will ever die. Jesus reveals those same words again in Revelation 21. After, listen carefully, I know we're jumping around. After the uh, thousand-year reign on the earth, it is finished. So on the cross, it is finished. In this seventh bowl, it is finished. After the thousand-year reign of Christ, it will also be finished again. Listen carefully. This is so crucial you get this understanding. And what it does, I'm jumping to Revelation 21. But the reason I'm jumping is two purposes. Number one, Jesus again says it is finished. And number two, the seventh bowl appears in Revelation 21. Okay, it's here again. So here we go. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. I need to give you some context. If you read Revelation 21, here's, here's how it would start. I didn't put it in here. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, like the, the Jerusalem descending as a bride, dressed for her husband. So what, what are we starting in Revelation 21? There's a new heaven, a new earth, the first heaven, first earth are gone. Okay, I should have put that in there. <laughs> and in that scene, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm going to make everything new. <laughs> and then he said to me, John, write this down, John, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. Whoa. What? It's finished. You got a new heaven. You got a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth are gone. I'm going to make everything new. We're going to start all over. And, and you, you all get to be a part of it. And in this brand new eternal life. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. All those are victorious. We're in a spirit war. The children of God will be the only survivors in this war. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Somebody say, Hallelujah. But cowards and unbelievers, and the corrupt, and the murderers, and immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, and idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then here it comes. Here's why I'm reading Revelation 21. And then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls. Now, we're, we're, we're several chapters later, and he's still got one of the bowls. He, one of the angels has the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. She's there. That's the church. Do you understand who that is? That's the church. 
You know, the church has been absent in the tribulation. And now suddenly, in the, in the end of the tribulation, you got this new heaven, new earth, and, and the old stuff's gone, everything's new, he's God, and you're in the middle of it, and he says, come. He's holding the bowl and he says, I want to show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. You know where she's at? The new Jerusalem. There's a new one. And that's where she's at. The wife of the lamb is in the new Jerusalem. And the seventh bowl continues. Now let's go back to chapter 16. This is after it is finished. It says this, verse 17. And then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air. And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. And then thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and great earthquake struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections and the cities of many nations fell into heaps like rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce anger. With his fierce wrath, excuse me. And, and every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. And there was a terrible hailstorm and hailstones weighing 75 pounds. What did he say? 75 pounds? Those are like... Volkswagens falling out of the sky. And hailstones weighing 75 pounds fell from the sky into, onto the people below, and they cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstones. Hailstorm. The worst earthquake in human history is coming in the seventh bowl. The kingdoms of men represented by Babylon and the nations will be utterly destroyed and turned to rubble. And those who drank the maddening wine of Babylon's idolatry, false religion, and listen, sexual immorality, will be forced to drink the wine of God's fierce wrath because they refuse to repent. The islands will sink and the mountains will crumble. Hailstones weighing 75 pounds will fall upon the earth and the people will curse God instead of turning to Him. Who then can be saved? In all of this, the entire time of the tribulation, most will refuse to repent and turn to God. Most. So let's go back at, and look at the sixth seal. And here's how I'm going to close tonight's session. The sixth seal was the first, how the tribulation began was with the sealed judgments. And the sixth seal was on the scroll that the Father handed to Jesus that gave him all authority. And there's something about the sixth seal. I want to go back and read and kind of tie all of this together. Here we go. It's in Revelation 6.15. And then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person, they all hid themselves. What? Why are they hiding? They hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the, notice the word, wrath of the Lamb. <laughs> 
He's angry. He's angry. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to survive? And then it happens. Finally, it happens. I got goosebumps all over my arms. The king arrives on the earth. And I'll tell you, when I typed those words into this computer, when I wrote this, I wept at my desk. The king arrives. All of creation has been longing with eager expectation for this moment. And that's going to be our final session. And if the king actually literally arrives before that, we will cancel that last session. Because <laughs> I do not plan here to participate. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight and needs to do something. I'll say that when you get a crowd this big, is there sin in your life you have not repented, confessed and repented before God? Then when we finish tonight, you need to come down to one of these, this altar and you need to, you need to get right with him. There are supernatural things happening in the world today. If you need a confirmation, just what happened yesterday is a confirmation. I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that life itself is now in question. What kind of a power does it work on this earth? And, and these times are urgent. And if you've got sin in your life and you, you, and you know that you're under conviction about it, and, and, and you refuse to tell God what God already knows, all he wants you to do is just come clean. Just because when you do that, his love and mercy enters inside of you. But when your heart is hard, you know, he's not going to force himself upon you. So I, I'm, when it's over, when I pray, I'm just going to hang out. And if... Um, if the Lord's convicting you, you need somebody to pray with you, you need to do something, um, you need to do it. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. But stay alert at all times and pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. I'm not date setting. I don't know how many days we got. I know today's the day of salvation. Today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, he did, as they did in the rebellion. Today. Father, we thank you for your word. Wow, you have given us so much information. You have shown us clearly that which is coming. You've given us the ability to even see it and understand it, at least to some degree. And Lord, I'm amazed that before all these bowls started pouring out tonight, you sent an angel around the earth preaching the gospel. For you're not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But Lord, many will perish because their hearts are hard towards you. So tonight we fear you. We do. We fear you. And we worship you. And that fear doesn't make us run away from you. That fear makes us run towards you. For no one can hide from your judgment. So we run to you. We ask that you cover us with the blood of the Lamb. Forgive us of our sins. Make us your children, your family. Protect us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen.